We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. Hosting a podcast about creativity, I get to know all types of people using a variety of tools and talents to create. Some use their singing voice, some use a paintbrush, while others may use a musical instrument. Today's guest makes his artistic living using a tool that you and I use every day. He uses his speaking voice. I am very pleased to present my conversation with voiceover artist Joe Bianco. When did you realize that your voice Mm -hmm. was something that is, um, I don't know if it's different or it's something that you can use as a tool? Sure. When did you discover that? Uh, before six, before puberty, d- puberty was when I discovered it. Uh, it was we were in sixth grade and it was choir. I loved choir, and I would I was the I don't want to say typical because that's unfair to other artists, but I, I was I was the I was the chubby, not good at sports, socially awkward, not like bullied, not a bad childhood by any means, but just kind of like. Oh yeah, there's Joe. He does things, I guess. Uh, and I was like, I was like smart. That was my thing. I had good grades. I was smart. Okay. Um. So, but you know, no, no one, no kid wants to be smart. They want to be cool. <laughs> you know, like I mean, I, it always felt nice. I liked the praise from my parents, but I was like, oh, I want. I wish people, you know, liked me for other reasons. Yeah. Uh, went through puberty, and we were in class, and my my teacher goes, "Geez, you're a bass," and I'm like, I don't even know what that means <laughs> and so then they sent you down to choir well so she goes she goes can you sing this line and and i'm like maybe and i'm just i'm starting to talk and she's going your voice is so low and i just never noticed uh and and and, and the more i changed and the more my voice went through changes then you know looks cracky the more the lower it got the lower it got and people would just be like man you sound like my dad on the phone or i'd pick up the phone and people would be like oh mr bianco blah 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 and i'd be like no 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 you want me to get my dad and then you know, oh you sound just like him i'd get like a summer job you know something like a cashier someone would, would step out and have a nice day and they'd be like oh my gosh you have such a nice voice and after so many times of hearing it I start. I stopped believing that people were just being kind, and I was you like, thought there must be something to this. Yeah, I was like, maybe they're not like just BSing me. Like maybe, maybe I do have a neat sounding voice. Do so. You have a low voice, and yeah. um, I don't know anything about like the area of like voiceover yeah. work and voices. Is a low voice something that is more? universally appealing used to be it is because i feel like when i'm listening to ads now Mm -hmm. i feel like it's not necessarily a low voice and you're right yeah about 10 years ago they they stopped they used to do this thing where they it's so funny we're at the sca conference i've been talking about this all day with people uh they used to anthropomorphize products so let's what is, what is that so let's say you've got uh, my my go-to example is like a, so i'm a scotch drinker johnny walker black is a scotch it's the number one selling scotch in america um and years ago 10 15 20 years ago you look at commercials for johnny walker black and it's all aimed for older white businessmen because i i then the thought is they look at the bottle of johnny walker and they say okay if this bottle were a person 
what would what would it be? Well, it'd be a, a, a mad. You think madman aesthetic? Oh, it'd be an older male, and they maybe they'd have a deeper smoky voice because if they drink scotch, maybe they smoke cigars, and you know. So you look at these commercials for Johnny Walker Black, and it's all these old guys being classy. And when I drink my Johnny Walker, and but the reality of the situation is that's not who buys it. So nowadays they look at the demographics and they go, well, who's buying Johnny Walker Black? Well, old white rich dudes aren't buying it because it's not that good of a scotch. It's not a single malt. It's not a high profile bottle. So it's now, is it like more youthful? It's going to be young people. So now they yeah. do a more youthful. And it's going to be out because nobody is sitting there going like, oh, I can't wait to taste it. People want to be heard ordering it. So you go to the bar and you go, young guy with the suit order says really loud, you know, Johnny Walker Black, and then in the commercial, nine models look at him like he's very attractive, and then that's the end of the commercial. So would you do a voice, so if there was a television commercial mm -hmm. with a model, would someone voice over the voice? Uh, sometimes, if it's, uh, like, so for, for, for what was it? it, was BMW or Mercedes, one of the two, uh, I, I, I did, I voiced this like gorgeous German models, like inner monologue. Mm -hmm. So there was this guy who just was like, looked nothing like me. It was like totally Brad Pitt, beautiful. And then I'm the guy in his head, like, oh God, when I drive my BMW and I'm right, going to right. work and, and I'm like, oh, this guy must have sounded terrible. Why wouldn't yeah. they just use his yeah. voice? Like, you know? So I did notice that a lot of the voices that I'm hearing are not, they're definitely not deep voice males. They're no. like younger, more yeah. approachable, yep. almost, That's um, That's almost it. a somewhat effeminate, not effeminate, but not. Um, not intimidating yeah. male voice. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. So that's like the, the big thing now? That's the new thing. Yeah. Right. You get, when, when we read our specs, uh, the, the, the specifications for the auditions, they will go as far. Some things you'll always see are casual, conversational, and you'll even get ones that say non-hyphen announcer, and, you, and you'll get the, the full sentence of just, we want a voice actor who doesn't sound like a voice actor. Okay. And that, that is by far the most popular spec right now. Right, right. Um, and it's, it's interesting because it's, it's harder. It's so much harder than just going, well, I'm doing the commercial copy and I sound nice and in a world, one man, blah, blah, blah. That, that's a little easier because, you know, if you got the, the, the pipes, my older buddies in the industry. And the control. Them, yeah, if you got the pipes and the control, it's great. That's simple. It's connecting yeah, the it's dots. Easy. Yeah. But now they're like, oh, we want the acting. Yeah. You know, that's why and, I mean, and acting like it doesn't sound like you're acting. Yes. Yeah. We, we, the, the big one is we want you to sound like you're talking to your friend yeah. because, because a recommendation from a friend is more, you know, people are going to trust that more than they're going to trust a recommendation from the guy who sounds like this on the radio. You know? So when we're, when we're watching movies, mm -hmm. how much of like a male, you know, some, a male in a movie, how much of it is his voice? Like the, hmm. like how much of the success of, I don't oh. know, I think of anyone, Brad Pitt. Sure. How much of it is his voice? Sure. Um, is that a big part of it? I never really thought about it. Yeah, I would say, I would say lots of people who come to my, James Spader comes to my, all these people are, you know, take their voice away, give them another voice, great actors. But I think their voices, like that Alec Baldwin has done a lot of voice work. Uh, Tim Allen, I'm pretty sure, is like does all these pure Michigan campaigns now. And what what's fun about a celebrity is um, so the, because you're a celebrity, you're a brand now. And so like Morgan Freeman, like I'll, I'll be doing a spec and it says, we, you know, uh, references Morgan Freeman. What they mean is they don't want you to do a Morgan Freeman impression. They want you to sound like the voice of God. 
Okay. Because when you think Morgan Freeman and that what a movie he did, and ever since then everyone's like, oh, he sounds like God. And so that they want you to bring your omnipotent, calm, older, soothing sound as opposed to doing an impression of it. So, uh, I mean, like Tom Hardy's done a lot of stuff with that with weird vocal ranges. And American actors, we're, we don't get away with it as much. A lot of British actors, uh, when you look at all their character work, have this myriad of different voices. But can you be a, because I associate success as a uh, actor, a big part of it is looking a certain way or yeah. having a look yeah. that is appealing to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, are there any actors that are successful that maybe not have a traditionally um, appealing voice? Uh, I would say someone like Ron Perlman. Uh, and then he, he was talking about, when we did Sons of Anarchy, that was something he talked about. And he said, you know, I, I got this, this sound, uh, uh, and what was, what was the other one he did? Um, uh, uh, the, the, he was the devil in some like comic book movie. I don't know the comic book movies at all, but yeah, uh, he, he, he go, you know, they'd hear me and they'd go, oh, you, you sound so, but you look all grizzled and, right. and, you know, terrible and everything like that. So come back to us in 30 years when you're physicality matches your, your voice, voice. Oh, and God. then we, we we could start giving you you know giving you the parts that you know you you are you are for that you need uh matching but matching is a big part of it um and i, I think i think what it, is matching i think it goes both ways if, if you're a if you're a super tough looking guy and you've got a voice that doesn't match your body like mike tyson like mike tyson right, yeah. yeah i think you know and, unless you're making the choice of oh here's a super tough guy who sounds kind of squeaky He's not going to be in the line for any of those just like bodyguard roles or cop right, roles right, or right. I'm a thug guy role. Uh, all those little things, yeah, I think I think make a huge difference. But I think a good actor can manipulate their voice. And that's something that I think is getting more popular in America uh, because more celebrities, when they get these vehicles, Meryl Streep, all these people like that, they're going, I want to make some more wacky choices, make some more bold choices. Um, and I think actors in the UK do that all the time and get away with it all the time. And I think now maybe again, we're starting to be like, oh, we don't have to find, you know, there is uh, versatility is a thing. Right, right. <laughs> I think a lot of people forget that because it's such an oversaturated market. It's like, well, we can find somebody who looks perfect and sounds perfect if we just hold enough auditions. Right. I, 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 there's probably something to it that it is a numbers game. Oh, absolutely. Me not knowing anything about any of this. Absolutely. So we're here at the SEA conference, yeah. which is about you know guiding people to use arts, mm-hmm. artistry, being an artist for a living. What are you telling people? Are you doing panels? What, what, yeah, I just did a panel on pricing, so, actually. Tell me, so tell me about what is the general thing that you are able to tell people. Well, uh, for voiceover, it's easy uh, because I've, there's a website. It's called GVAA, Global Voice Actor Academy. And what's great is when they're like, talk about voiceover pricing. I'm like, great, I could do that with a link. Uh, and then it's, go. It's, it's got a whole and it's an extraordinarily comprehensive menu. And the way that voiceover is priced is you'll take, um, you got to pay them for the session. So if, if you're hiring me for a voiceover, you got to pay me for going to the booth and you got to pay me for my time. And you've got to pay me for how long you're going to own this uh, string. Asset. Yeah, this asset. And then you have to pay me for who's going to hear it. So if uh, if I'm going to go in the booth for an hour, give me a couple hundred bucks. Uh, if only people 
in uh, Bloomington, Illinois are going to hear this commercial, then, you know, you only stand to make maybe several hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. You only have to pay me a couple hundred dollars. If everyone in the greater Chicagoland area is going to hear this because you have stores in the greater Chicagoland area, now we're going to add another zero on there. You're going to have to pay me a little more if this is a national commercial, if I'm doing something for Starbucks. So you're providing guidance on the the pricing yeah how to price yeah and then language too and stuff like that and i you know my favorite thing is when when budget comes up i like to go well what's what what's the budget how much have you allocated and then they'll say a number and i'll go yeah that'll work so are you are there a lot of people that are going that are looking to get into voiceover work so many so many <laughs> so like, many why like not that not that it's a bad thing i'm just the curious money's, the money's excellent the money is excellent it's excellent <gasps> yeah really? it's really good you don't work a lot and my, my wife well she's like you have the stupidest job and i do i have the stupidest job <laughs> because you know i'll go and if you get the right job for the right company you'll go in and you'll say um you know I, this is this is such a this is true this is such a random thing i think i had to say i think it was hand saw i had to say the word hand saw that was it three times in a row and the guy gave me like 160 bucks okay and that and he was like i just need it for this commercial and it's like great so i went in i mean the whole thing took about two and a half minutes um and then you work for someone like dyson you know, you go, you get the booth downtown and they've rented all this stuff and you're, you're like a tag at the end of a commercial. Um, you say a tag, you know, you're in there for 15 minutes. You've set it every way under the sun. You know, there's like no possible way you can like give them more right, options, right. you know, because they, everyone knows how much you're getting paid. They, they, they're going to use you. Right. Of course. Uh, so, you know, you've done it every possible way under the sun and they go, great. 20 minutes later, they say, Hey, we're going to use this for eight commercials at a thousand dollars a piece. He just made eight grand. So it's, but they don't come very much. Understood. Yeah, that's the thing. And most of your job is is finding work. Like like so many of so people what, I'm sure you talk to. <laughs> what does that feel like? Um, getting paid for. Oh, it's so weird. Is it weird? Is that weird? What's well, weird? I do you was, feel like it's you? Do you feel like oh, it no. is talent? No, do you feel like not it's, at all. Do you feel like <laughs> no. it's luck? It's, it's luck and what's broken. And. I can get it from, uh, look, if, if you're going to be the name brand of something, if, you, if you're like, I mean, this is on camera, but I think the point still stands. You got the gal who plays like Flo and all those insurance right, right, commercials. Right. That's her career, man. It's going to, no one's going to look at her and be like, oh my God, I want you to play Juliet in my production because the whole audience is going to sit there being like, this is Flo, this is weird. So when you get that much acclaim and you're lending your, your, your face, or in my case, your sound to a certain product, you could really pigeonhole yourself. And then so on top of all this money, you get paid for something called exclusivity. So if you work for a bank, like I've worked for um, a West Suburban Bank. And I did, I did a bunch of commercials for them. And part of my deal was that they say, you can't do any bank commercials for and the And they next. give you money for that? Yeah. And I say, well, I'm gonna, if I'm going to lose the money, you've got to compensate okay. me okay. for it. So that, that's, that's kind of, uh, it's, for the bigger jobs, you know, when you think these people stand to make hundreds of thousand dollars off this commercial, when you look at it that way, it seems pretty fair that you get sure. such a large percentage yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you are the perfect person for the job, and if if your voice is really going to mean that fifty thousand more dollars gets spent in this company, then like yeah, I I, I could see how it's worth it. So you're if you're working for uh, a big brand like a Dyson or mm -hmm. something, 
you're actually working with an advertising advertising agency because yeah. Dyson is in the business of vacuum cleaners. They're not in the business of advertising. Well, a creative team usually. So, but it's a creative team at Dyson or a creative team at an advertising it's agency? It's usually at Dyson. It's usually through the client. Well, I, I should say this. There's usually somebody in the room. So you're in the booth and you're, you're on one side of the glass. You got your mic and everything. And the other side of the glass, which is can be incredibly nerve-wracking when you're starting out, is like, 12 people oh my in God. suits and you can't hear them right. <laughs> so here they are talking and all you're seeing are mouths flapping mouths flapping and of course you do this long enough you, you start to realize they're talking about like a youtube channel or something they're not even talking about you yeah. you know they're going oh my god the traffic this is terrible and then they, then they, they hit the button and they buzz in and they go hey can you do a little faster this time and then right. they let it go then they go anyway so the traffic is and the whole you're sitting there being like do they hate me right am i terrible do they regret hiring me like what is going on here your brain uh, gets away from you absolutely yeah you're you're like oh my god what is but no nobody cares um and so you, you yeah you, you you get to go in there and there's usually somebody a representative of that uh the, the clients the clients in the room you know like any right. any sort of market research and they're the ones who you have to appease yeah yeah the, th the thing that's interesting to this um is because i worked in um for like agencies before yeah and a oh, lot cool. of and a lot of what we were work i was a project manager i wasn't a creative oh, nice. person yeah. but but a lot of what we worked with was visual stuff like visual mm. design branding logos um information design oh, user cool. flows things like that yeah, nice. so that's something that people can relate to because but i feel like voice is that would be weird to yeah. be asking someone to, for their opinion on that it just seems very it's odd it's super me. subjective. So what is that like? Because what I'm uh, what I'm thinking is people wouldn't be experts in that. So they no. just gotta go by their gut, right? <laughs> yeah, you're nailing it, man. <laughs> you are right on. Yeah. So uh, you do a session and you get in, and I'm t more often than not, you'll walk in and you'll do what they want. And now, like I said, there's this kind of conundrum where you go and you've everyone's there and everyone's traveled and hours and hours and thousands of dollars, and you go and you give a read. And it's like, well, that was good. <laughs> and then <laughs> there are other people lined up to do oh, the same thing? Well, uh, yeah. They, well, they're, they, well, they booked you for an hour is the thing. So they paid for all this stuff. And now you go, you do your read, and they go, great. What else can we get? What are all the variants under the sun we can have you do? And then so, you know, and then sometimes you'll be like, oh, I really want to do it this way. And then you, by, by the time, by the end of the session, I swear almost every time your your last read sounds exactly like your first read yeah. because it's just this big circular, circular thing of like, well, we hired you because of this, this, and this. You go in, you do that, that, and that. And then they go, well, we got more time. Let's try this. And then by the end they go, you know what? I think we found it. And you're like, ah, the first thing we did. <laughs> the, the thing you brought me in for. Right. Brilliant. So, and it's, you learn to just have, I mean, you could get frustrated with it, but why? It's still a good job. You're still having fun. Uh, it's still pretty easy. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of that happens. And, and, and you do get that where someone's like, you know, I really want to hear it this way. And, and you go, you do a little quicker, you do a little angrier, a little funnier or whatever. And, and you build up the bank and you hear the commercial and... 99 times out of 100, it's your first take. Do you encounter people in your everyday life where you're thinking, this person has the chops to be a voiceover Absolutely. person? Do you ever say yeah. anything to them? Sometimes. Yeah. I I was a little, this is, oh God, I've been a little, uh, there was a period when I was slightly inundated when I got my initial bit of success. When, like social, I was living alone, so I was big on social media. I love social media. 
And I, I would argue it was a little more healthy at the time, but but uh, uh, and and I was very proud. And again, I was I was a single guy, so I would post all my successes and stuff yeah. like that. And it got to the point where, like, if somebody who I hadn't talked to in over three weeks was hitting me up, I knew eventually it was going to be. So I was thinking about getting into voiceover, and so I took a break from being like, "Hey, have you ever tried this?" Because it was like. I am teaching so many students and friends. I'm like too much of it. Okay. But if, if I ever run into like a fellow actor or something like that and, the, and they've just had this great voice. I, I, I did it the other day. I did a small project with a company. And it was a little read through. And I just came up to this woman and I was like, tell me you do voiceover work like in some capacity because I would listen to you read the phone book. And, you know, she's like, oh, I've done a couple. And we chatted about it. Oh, and I, nice. I pointed her in some directions of places to go. But I, it, my, my wife notices, too, that that's how I, I remember people. Is uh, They'll go, she, she goes, you describe people by how they talk. Interesting. Because yeah. that's something that you are yeah, attuned I, to. I never thought I would be. Yeah. I well, know, I mean, yeah. but if your brain is being used in a certain area, mm -hmm. it's going to develop that in that area absolutely good yeah. or bad yeah <laughs> good or bad because yes, if you're yeah. spending out your brain no is, if your brain is in places that it shouldn't be yeah um you are going to be yep. developing that <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so yeah. i'll say i'll say i'll remember that guy you know like yeah he looked like that but he, he kind of sounded like he kind of talked like your dad and timothy uh -huh. oliphant like if they were like from further south and she'll be like, How, why do you remember people like that? And I'll be like, I don't know. That's like, that's the print they leave. Right. You know, right. I, I, I love that. I don't know. It's, it's fun. Are you, um, where are you from? I'm from the, the Northwest suburbs. Okay. So do you have a, um, do you have an accent at all? A little bit of a Midwest. Uh, the, the, the biggest one that I need to pay attention to is two. Uh, uh, go to the store as opposed to go to the store. Okay. And now you could be used for a... Um, a national campaign? Yeah, the closest uh, standard North American is what when, when folks in other countries want to do an American voice, they will uh, adopt a dialect called standard North American. And where is that mostly from? What is it's mostly, I think, I think the last study pinned it somewhere in southern Indiana. Because I feel like there is... I feel like in Chicago mm -hmm. is pretty neutral. It's, I'm from yeah. Boston, so we have an extreme yeah. accent, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. very extreme. And I did, I've done you know, Maine, um, New York, they mm -hmm. have, uh, but I feel like it's pretty neutral here. It, this is about as close as you can get. Yeah, and like I said, little things like the tuta is a big one that some clients will, will point you out on, and every now and then we'll get a little nasally, you know. With uh, I mean, to give you an extreme example, like the Polish sausage and stuff like that, you know, like well, we'll get a little bit in there, but that's really it. A lot of other people, I've got to do a lot more adjustments on, where uh, where it's like, well, if you want to be that standard North American announcer, your the draws coming out here, or your 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 Fargo's coming out a little bit too much up here, you know. It's like it's like we gotta we gotta elongate this, smooth it out. But nowadays too, like we were talking about earlier, when they want that real sound localized dialects and things like that are great because people go, ooh, it's a real person. Right, right. So now that sort of stuff is much, much less important than it used to be. What, what is less important? Uh, get, uh, have, having that perfect standard North American. So, so you're saying things are becoming more localized? Yes. Oh, they are. Interesting. Yeah. I so my, this is my favorite example. is really early in my career. I, I love this story. Uh, my, I had my first agent sent me downtown this 
huge voiceover thing. I'd never gone anywhere to audition for voiceover before, so I was like really excited. And I was like the Hancock building or something, and I'm like, oh my God, I feel so cool, you know? And like I go in, and it's an older spec, so I'm like by far the youngest guy there. And I'm in my 20s, and everyone in there is at least 15 years older, probably 20 years older than I am. And they all have these three-piece suits on, and then they're all going to the wall, and they're all practicing their cadence. And they all sound like they're Walter Cronkite, and they all have this like very, very cadenced, paced-out thing. And um, the first guy goes in, and he comes out, and then the woman follows, and she goes, Hey, I just want to make sure... Uh, everyone read the spec, the specifications for the audition. She goes, it's it's casual, it's conversational. You know, we're we're trying to we're trying to make it. There's two guys talking. It's like two guys drinking a beer in a garage is the spec. And so this guy, these guys are going in, and I'm hearing them practice, and they're all sounding like, "Hey, man, pass me a bud." And I'm like, "Nobody talks like that." And so it was, it was like it was like a skit. Every time someone would walk out of this room. This woman would come out and with a little more agitated every time, be like, hey, you just want to make sure everyone's been reading that spec here. Uh, if you read it, go ahead and look at it again and check the email. And, and finally, this happens again. And she comes out and she's got a printed copy. And she goes, I'm just going to put the spec on the board right here. If, whenever When they walk in, you, just, you show them the spec, just make sure to read it. And it was just, it was hilarious. And so I go in. And I'm like, I think I get what's happening here. And I do the read, you know, hey, bud, pass me a beer, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And there was this, like, general relief in the room. And I wound up not getting the gig, but this is something I've never heard of. They called my agent to be like, this kid nailed it. Which, for that to happen and not to get a gig, that's the only time that's ever happened right. in my career. But for whatever reason. Yeah, but for whatever reason, they were like, oh, he did good. And he was new, so maybe we should tell you know the people at whoever that, yay, good job picking this kid. And it was nice. It was encouraging. And I was like, oh, I think I'm starting to see why me and my friends are taking over this industry. Because they want people who sound like people. Right. Yeah. Can you give people that are listening to this a couple suggestions yeah. on how to, well, I'm not going to say voiceover, <laughs> but just in general about in, moving forward in a creative arena, uh, leveraging their creative talents mm -hmm. and making it happen for themselves? Uh, trust yourself. I, I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people when I was starting were like, oh, you can't be delusional as an artist and 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 I'm like you know I, I think a lot of artists know where they're weak I do I think I think a lot of people out there especially when I'm on the one-on-one -on -one and I talk to people and they go oh, I want to get into voiceover and they go ah oh, but my website's not so good and then my immediate question is well why what are you doing about that you gonna fix it that is a good response yeah you know it's it's uh well you know if your website's not good is there is there something on the books are you gonna plan on doing it and eh, you know never mind I don't know well it's like well and I never mean to challenge them or like, you know, throw a gauntlet down. And I go, well, is this is this important to you? If it's, you know, I, I understand it's scary and there, there's always that risk of failure because once you try something, you'll never be able to, you know, th then the hypothetical has gone. <laughs> and then, then it's like, oh, I failed. But it's like, well, you know, it's... The old for trying to give you some unique uh, unique advice, but it's 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 hey, the same old adage. Of, no, I'm telling you, I ask all my yeah. guests this, and it ends up being mostly all the same. Yeah, stuff the, the, because they're true, right? That the master has failed more times than the beginner has tried. You know, stuff like that, and and putting your money where your mouth is is something that I see a lot too. And 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 it's it might be an oversimplification, but uh, an example I usually give is you know I, I had a student once who I did had the sense wasn't very serious about it. I think I think the person just wanted to like 
easy money and thought that was what voiceover was. And I'm talking to them about equipment and I go, you know, it's a low glass ceiling. You can get everything you need to be a true competitor for $2,000 or you can even do a lot with 500 and they're going, oh, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And two days later, they just bought the newest iPhone. And I was like, I don't, it's, I don't want to teach you. <laughs> you know, it was like, I don't think we see this, the same and there's nothing wrong with that. Look, if, if, if you need that for work or if technology is important to you or if that's your like joy in but life. But he's showing what he, what he values and what's important in his priorities. Right, yeah. His actions. Yeah, I, in my personal career, I had a lot of help, but I also made a lot of sacrifices. And I, and I, just, I, have trouble, I have trouble sometimes when people who, when I was their age, come to me and, and, and go, I want to do this. And I go, well, here's what I did and here's what I gave up. And they're not willing to. Uh, it's just kind of like, well, then do something else. Like, again, yeah. no, no, I'm not hating on you. No negativity. It's just the thing that drives so many people out of this industry isn't talent or ability. It's the lifestyle. And it's which, it's, which industry? Anything in entertainment, anything in the arts. And, the, and what, what about the lifestyle driving the, out? The, the fact that their security is, is there's less security. You, you don't always know where your next paycheck is coming from. You have to find your own work. Uh, sometimes, how do you work from home? You know, my wife's discovering that she hates working from home. She's like, I feel so lazy. You know, like, yeah. I, 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 this is terrible. I'm unmotivated. Uh, so you have to then figure out, okay, do I have to get to a cafe? Do I have to do yoga? Do I have to make coffee and do a routine and, you know, get up two hours early? So she's or... trying to solve the 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 problem or the weakness, mm -hmm. I think you had said. Yeah. yeah. She's trying to find ways to address it. Yeah. And, and sometimes you find out that this isn't, it's not worth it. Right. Or the, the satisfaction you get from this job that you really like um, isn't worth the, the feeling of, of maybe not having a permanent work community. And then it might be better for you to do it as a hobby. And when I say better, I mean, you might just have a more fulfilling life if if yeah. you if you get all that stuff and i think people look at that as a loss and that's like that's a shame i think to me because you don't have to do this full time to be legitimate right. i do think there is a distinction between a professional and an amateur and i yep. think that distinction should be made and i think it's it's you owe that to the professional to make the distinction but but to say that one painting is you know more legitimate than another because it was done by a full timer versus an amateur I don't know that I agree with that. Okay. You know, and, and I don't know that to say that this person's happier because they don't have a day job automatically. I don't know if I agree with that either. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, like I said, I know some of the most talented people I know quit because they, they didn't like the competition and they didn't like putting in all this work for no compensation. They didn't like all the audition preps and they're much happier with the job and doing community theater. And I'm envious of them sometimes because yeah. I'm like, man, you kind of got it made. Yeah, no, yeah. there's trade-offs for everything. And I think that um, when you are pursuing something like mm -hmm. in the... In, like what I'm doing or like what you're doing, yeah. there's a lot of other stuff associated with it. Yeah. Um, a lot of things that you have to deal with yeah. that come, come with it. Um, it's not all just that 
thing. Like if you want to be an actor, it's just not all about acting. Yeah. There's all this other stuff. There's the feelings of competitiveness. There's the experience of someone else getting the job that you wanted, <laughs> yep. seeing other people leapfrog ahead of you mm-hmm. and all of those feelings. And I mean, you're going to experience that in really any job. Yes. But I think sometimes when you are an entrepreneur, Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or, uh, sometimes it can be a little bit more sensitive to it. Yeah. And adjusting your, here's, here's a great way to wrap it up. Uh, I, I, we, we saw a comedian, a stand-up comedian the other night, and he's, he's talking about, he's my age, he's 30, 32, or he's, he's 33. And he says, you know, here I am, I'm a 33-year-old, I'm an international comedian, I'm touring, I'm 33, I'm single, and I'm, I'm a 33-year-old human following the dreams of a 20-year-old. <laughs> and... It really resonated with me, and I went, "That's interesting." And and what I took from that whole joke and that whole bit is, you have to allow your dreams and stuff to evolve, because I do know people who have had this, the the dream of being a full time, whatever in the arts at nineteen twenty, and who have stuck with it. And I know that they would be happier if they let that dream evolve. Yeah, because they now they've trapped themselves into something they that they do enjoy but they're gonna slowly they stop enjoying it and the bitterness sinks in and you know i just let let letting those dreams fluctuate a little bit uh letting yourself be surprised by your own career and what makes you happy i think uh can can sometimes lead you out of the career and it could also sometimes lead you back into it in a better mental state and in a better uh, way of looking at it and as a more uh accomplished just like person who knows how to work Right, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for yeah, it was great meeting you. We yeah, it was cool to tell I you. think we only spoke for or like five minutes on the phone before yeah. we did this. So yeah. it's always wonderful to have these conversations with people at, that I don't know. Yeah, a man. perfect stranger. No, you. I I was listening. To you you ask great questions, man. I'm I'm looking forward to kind of following what happens with you. All right, cool. Well, thank yeah, you. Man. Yeah. Well, cheers. Where can uh, people learn more about you? Your, your website or www.actorjoebianco.com. Lots of actor Joe Bianco. Bianco. B i a n c o. dot com. Yeah, and there's a. A surprising amount of silly, ridiculous content on there. So, oh, I love silly, ridiculous content. <laughs> yeah, my friend's like, "Dang, you got a lot on here." I'm like, "Well, <laughs> it's so you hire me." So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun, man. All right, awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, man. My name is Ricky McGuckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.